Well, good morning, One Church. What's up? My name is Carlo. I get to be one of the teaching pastors here, and I'm so glad that you are with us. Shout out to everyone watching over in the video venue or online, live streaming, or even watching later on during the week, wherever you are. Again, thanks. If this is your first time here or first time in a long time, we're just glad that you are with us today. We are wrapping up our series. It starts with one. Over the last seven weeks, Pastor Chris and I have been answering the question, what does it mean to be the church, by looking at the early church, uh, looking at Acts chapter 1 all the way through what we're going to get to today in the story of how the church became uh, a church. Jesus was here. He lived on the earth. He died for us. He rose again for us, and he told the church, go to Jerusalem and wait for me to give you power from on high, and they did what he said, and that's what launched what we now have as the church. So if you missed any of those messages, go to onechurch.tv, click on the watch messages link, and there's a bunch of different ways there you can capture some of those talks. I particularly love when we were in Acts chapter 2 and week 2 and week 3. Go back, listen to those, share those great stuff. Last week, we saw in Acts chapter 5 that one small decision can make a huge impact. And I pray the decisions you made in the last week uh, were for God's glory and were for good. Uh, This week, we're going to talk about growing pains, not the TV show, sadly, I wish. We're going to talk about growing pains, and we'll be in Acts chapter 6, and we'll get there in just a few minutes. There are a couple of pains that just make me crazy. And those pains aren't people. Um, They're actual ailments, dysfunctions, hiccups in my body that just drive me out of my mind. The first pain that really bothers me are sore elbows, sore elbows. I've been doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu for a long time, um, and my elbows almost always hurt. They throb, they ache. I'm not talking about that good after a a workout kind of soreness. I'm talking about just this annoying, man, I'm too old for this deep-in-your-bones kind of arthritis type of pain. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, don't get it twisted. I'll still choke you with your T-shirt if my elbows are hurt. But I'm just, you know, sometimes the elbows, they get a little throbby. They get a little, I wouldn't really choke you. Relax. Some of y'all got tense, so the preacher just threatened me. Um, But it's annoying, annoying elbow pain uh, that I get. The second pain, um, and and many of you can, can relate to this, are headaches. I really can't stand having a headache. It just drives me crazy because when I get headaches, they come in the form of a pale horse and death is following closely behind him. And uh, it's just miserable when I have a headache. Uh, You know, the kind of headache that just makes you question, is God really good? I mean, I know what the Bible says, but the way things are going right now, you know, it just really lose your religion type of headaches, throbbing, help me Jesus kind of pain. The third pain uh, that I deal with that I hate is indigestion indigestion, right? There's nothing worse than that nausea, heartburn, upset stomach, you know the rest, you know, that comes comes with that, you know. Uh, the point of those three pains that, that I can't stand in my body, uh, they all have one thing in common, and that is they are self-induced. My addiction to Brazilian jiu-jitsu, my propensity to work long hours and to uh, maybe not stay hydrated. Uh, my propensity to, I talked to you about my love for sour worms and chicken wings the past couple of weeks, right? So you guys can understand why I would have an upset stomach every now and then. They're usually self-induced pain. I'm sure you've dealt with self-induced pain before, right? Sure you have. If you don't stretch, if you don't go to bed at a decent time, if you have too much caffeine in your system, you don't wear the proper shoes, you don't exercise, you're going to have some muscular skeletal issues going on in your body. You're going you're to start to feel a little creaky, little crack. If you, if you drink too much sugar, too little water, abuse caffeine, ignore proper rest, you are going to get a headache. Just facts. You're going to have headaches. You're going to deal with that. Self-induced. If you live on a diet of battery acid and grease, a.k.a. Coke and pizza, right? If that's all you're putting in your system, you know, your stomach eventually is going to quit. It's going to say, nope, 
I'm out. I'm not dealing with this today. You're going to have indigestion. It's going to mess you up. We have pain that's self-induced, and it can really uh, hurt us and cause us to be frustrated. But not all all pain is bad. Not all pain is bad. In fact, in, in the kind of the workout world, we often say no pain, no gain, right? We know, in fact, anything worth having, I think, is going to come with some struggle. Anything worth having is going to come with a little bit of stretching, a little bit of pain. And this is especially true when we talk about life in the church, and the church meaning us as the church. And so our big idea today is this. Following Jesus leads to growth, and growing people change, but sometimes growth hurts. Sometimes growth hurts. And we're going to unpack that by looking at the New Testament, early, early New Testament church here in the book of Acts. All throughout the New Testament, in the, in the epistles, uh, the letters that were written by people like Paul, like Peter, we see this metaphor used for the church called the body of Christ. Have you heard of that before? The body of Christ. In fact, Paul in 1 Corinthians goes to such great lengths with this metaphor that he actually uses body parts to say some of you are feet and some of you are ears and some of you are eyes. And so he talks about we're all the body, Christ is the head. And so I think as we look at how growing pains impacted the early church, and more importantly, how they handled those growing pains, I think we can learn something, especially if we stick with the metaphor of the body. So for our message today, we're going to kind of live in that tension of we're talking about the church as a body, but using some of the pains we deal with in our own physical bodies to kind of make the point. And it's so important for us to get this, because after all, this church we've been studying the last seven weeks, they all grew, 120 people grew into a global force of Christ followers, and it all started with one. That's fascinating to think about. We're sitting right here as a result of the growth that we've read over the last couple of weeks. So let me bring you up to speed uh, on where we are in the story. Last week, we were in Acts chapter 5. We read the first for, uh, 16 verses, I believe, of Acts chapter 5. And so between verse 17 and the beginning of Acts chapter 6, a lot of stuff happens, but it's kind of the same stuff that happens. Again, rule when you're reading the scripture, anytime you see that repetition, it's, it's the red flag, right? Pay attention to this. God is saying, this is important stuff. Catch on. Keep up. You know, God knows that we're slow, but we're worth waiting for, right? So sometimes he says it to us a couple times over and over and over again. So what happens is Ananias and Sapphira died. You remember them? We talked about them last week. If you weren't here, trust us, they died. Um, fear and awe spread throughout the church, and the apostles, they did many signs and wonders. That sounds familiar, right? That's what's been happening in every single chapter, uh, just about, except for the two people dying part. So the church grows, and the religious leaders, they finally arrest all of the apostles because the apostles were preaching in the name of Jesus. So they say, enough is enough. They arrest them, throw them in jail. They were preaching and healing in the name of Jesus. The religious leaders said, we're tired of that nonsense. They arrest them, put them in jail. But God says, not today, and releases them by an angel. Pretty cool story, Acts chapter 5 middle of the night, jail opens up. So the, when, if the jail opened up and you were trapped in it, if you were like me, you would get on the first whatever out of wherever, right? Like, I'm gone. Deuces. These guys got arrested for preaching and healing in the name of Jesus in the temple court. God miraculously gets them out of jail. And guess where they go? Back to the temple court to do what? Preach in the name of Jesus, right? Hard-headed, but in a good way. <laughs> They get arrested, and they immediately go right back to the temple court, and they start preaching in the name of Jesus. And guess what happens? The church grows some more. So the religious leaders, they get mad. We arrested the guys, and now they're miraculously out out here. They're still preaching in the name of Jesus. And so every day in the temple, 
And from house to house, the apostles taught that Jesus is the Son of God. That's Acts 5, 17 through 42. So that's a lot of Bible in about 60 seconds to kind of bring you up to speed. I'm lying. Y'all know that was longer than 60 seconds, but you know what I'm saying. In about three minutes, right, to bring us up to speed on where we are right here. So let's jump into Acts chapter 6 and verse 1. It says, but as the believers, now let's stop. What did we say last week when we see but? Transition, right? Turn is getting ready to happen. Usually, but means, okay, all that stuff was good, but this is the part you really... So we only told you that stuff because now we want you to get this stuff. And what we see in Acts chapter 6 is a drastic turning point in the narrative of the early church. Up until now, it's kumbaya, my Lord, tiptoe through the tulips. We might be down, but we're never out. We fall down, but we get up. Glory, hallelujah, look at God. He's on the throne, right? They're having great church. Awesome things are happening. Just when they think they're out, God saves them miraculously. But here is a big shift in turn, and we start to see some tension happening. I know I said last week was a turn, but there's an even bigger turn that starts to happen in the early church. But as the believers rapidly, what? Multiplied. There were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So I looked at that and saw there are some key words we need to see. Multiplied, so the church is growing, right? This is exponential growth. This is not addition, meaning 3,000 turned into 3,001. No, this is 3,000 turns into 6,000, turns into 12,000, turns into 24,000, turns into 48,000. Day by day, this church is multiplying rapidly. But in that multiplication, there were some rumblings over the daily distribution of food. And so thinking about the body of Christ and rumblings and food, I really look at that and see the early church had an upset stomach. As the body of Christ, they had a stomach ache. They had an upset stomach. There were some issues going on. No one likes an upset stomach, right? Nothing will mess your stomach up more than what you feed on, what you put into your body. Indigestion, this condition is frequently caused by putting things into your body that your body is just not built to digest or doesn't want to digest. And in the Bible, the stomach is often used as a type or of the inmost being, the, the soul. So when our spiritual stomachs, if you will, are aching, the question has to be asked, what are we feeding on? What are we eating? What are we doing with our mouths that's affecting our soul, affecting our spirit? And we see here in the early church, they had some discontent and grumblings. They were complaining because prejudice had infiltrated their ranks. So what was happening is the early church in the beginning, they were Jewish believers. They were Jewish people of the Jewish faith who believed Jesus was the Messiah, the Christ. They gave their lives to Jesus, started following him. That was most of the early church, including the apostles. Then non-Jewish people also started hearing this gospel, not a lot at first, but some of them, they were Jews, but they spoke Greek and not Hebrew, and they too began to hear. Later on, we get to Acts chapter 10, you'll actually see what we call Gentiles. They actually start receiving, actually, in Acts chapter 8, Gentiles start receiving the gospel as well. But the bottom line is, you're, you're probably wondering, Greek, Jew, Hebrew, Gentile, what are you talking about? The point is, outsiders, so-called outsiders, started coming into the church, and it started causing problems. There was discrimination all over this food program. Basically, they were trying to do the right thing, take care of the widows by giving them food, making sure they had enough to eat. But if you look in the text, what happened 
those who were Greek-speaking Jews, Greek-speaking believers, if you will, they started getting less food or being treated wrong. And the Hebrew-speaking believers, they are the ones with the Jewish connection. They started getting more favoritism. And so it created this grumbling. It created this discontent, this beef over, hey, it's not fair. What about us? I like to think we were here first. We should get top preference. But what about us? And all this backbiting and tension starts to happen in this Jewish versus Greek thing, this insider versus outsider, this new people versus the we started this place kind of tension started to come up. More and more and more new people came, and it created some grumbling. It created some beef. It created some tension. And for us in our context, we have to be the ones who embrace this new. We have to understand that more and more people are going to mix some things up for us. You might not get your prime parking spot. You might not get your favorite seat in the theater. Shout out to the front row crew today, right? They know what I'm talking about, right? You might not get your favorite place. You might have to wait in line to check your kid in, right? But all it's all growing pains, but it's necessary. It's good for us. And the way we mess up good growth and godly growth is to grumble and complain. I promise you, you can search the scriptures from the Old Testament to the New. If you want to shortcut something good God's doing in your life, start running your mouth. Start grumbling. Start complaining. Start being negative. You know the one, man, I wish I had some, a better job. My job is terrible. I can't stand this boss. And they keep bringing in these new people. And we start grumbling and complaining and then have the nerve to pray, God, would you help me with my money issues? And he's like, I gave you a job, but you keep complaining about it. I gave you income, but you keep grumbling. In the Old Testament, the people of Israel, they cried out to God, set us free, get us out of Egypt, and God does what? He gets them out of Egypt, right? You can read about that in the book of Exodus. And no sooner were they out, they started grumbling and complaining and murmuring. We don't like the food. We want more food. We need some water. We're tired of that. We're tired of this. We're tired of that. They started grumbling and complaining. And the children of Israel, it cost them 40 extra years roaming around in the desert, all because of what they were feasting on. So the early church is setting itself up. They're setting themselves up for this type of fail, for this type of flaw, for this type of huge mistake that could have shortcutted all the growth that they had. Self-induced pain, self-induced eating something that you know is not going to be good for you. I have an obsession with onions. I love onions, but they don't love me. And it's not fair. No matter how I try to treat the onion, the onion just won't do me a solid and do me right and treat my body good and help me out. Onions just absolutely destroy me. Anytime that I've been sick to like, oh, you know, this is the big one. I'm coming to see you. I'm about to die. That was a Sanford and Son reference for some of y'all. Y'all got that, right? This is the big one, right? It's about an onion, you know? It's always about this. They're, onions are really strong food, and they don't really digest well, especially when mixed with just the wrong thing. They don't cooperate with the digestive process. Now, stay with me. You're wondering, what in the heck is he talking about? I love to eat onions, even though I know they're going to do me wrong. And when we grumble and complain, it's just like eating a food that we know is eventually going to destroy us. It feels good to talk bad about somebody. It does. Trust me. Confession is good for the soul. Man, it feels good to roast somebody, especially when they're not around, right? No accountability. I can say what I want. You know, the kind of person who said this, and then I was like, and I'm like, did you say that, or were you like? You know, it's, it's easy to be like this in our mind with these fake attitudes, but we know eventually that's the kind of poison that'll destroy us. It applies to not just church life, but all of life. What we feast on affects our inner being, our soul, that spiritual stomach. 
And so we have to be very, very careful. The early church had an upset stomach, and it could have messed everything up. But here's the good news. The early church had a strong backbone. Strong, strong backbone. Let's look at verse 2. So the 12 called a meeting of all the believers, and they said, We apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in what? Prayer and teaching the word. Lots of dysfunctions can happen to us physically that will affect the, our, our, our growth of our, our muscles, of our skeletal system. There's a lot of things we deal with, arthritis, bursitis, tendonitis. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about, those aches and pains. And, and I mention those again because I know a lot of us, myself included, deal with those. We know the frustration of, of when it hurts to take a step. We know the frustration of when it hurts to just move. And if, especially if you deal with anything like an arthritis, you know even the simplest task can become painstakingly difficult, right, if, when those parts of our body get weakened. And spiritually, the same thing is true. Something that should be a simple task can get absolutely weakened if, if that backbone, for lack of better words, if those, those muscles start to deteriorate and get weak. And so the apostles, they recognize this. This grumbling nonsense is no good. So we need to do something. They knew the only way to counter that was to re- remind the church of their foundations of their faith. They knew the only way to counter this grumbling is to make sure that we keep the main thing the main thing. They weren't discounting the need for a food program. They weren't saying food is not important. What they were saying is it does us no good to do ministry if we're sick on the inside. If we're structurally weak, it doesn't do us any good as a body to do ministry. You know you should do ministry service out of the overflow of what God is doing in you. That's what we try to communicate in our small groups. That's what we try to communicate to every volunteer here at One Church. We don't want you to lead on empty. You with me? We don't want you to lead on empty. We don't want you to help somebody pray when you aren't someone who's praying. We don't want you to come and work every single service and never get to experience worship. We don't want you running around all over the place being busy for God and never spending any time with God. It'll make you sick. Have you ever tried to work all day without eating? Have you ever fasted all day long, right? It's not pleasant at all. It's grueling, and eventually you'll hit the wall. And so the early church, they they got this. The apostles were like, no, we need to find some people, our backbone, some people who can do this for us. They can handle the ministry stuff so that we can continue to lead in what's most important, which is talking to God and hearing from God praying and preaching. That's what they wanted to focus on. They knew we have a backbone. We have a foundation. Remember, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to prayer. Those are the most important things we've seen as we've looked through the book of Acts, and they wanted to make sure they got back to that. At OneChurch.tv, Pastor Chris said it earlier, our mission is to lead people into a growing relationship with Christ. And we know that growing people change, and sometimes growth hurts. And so that's why we stress You have to have intimacy with God. You have to have community with insiders. You have to have influence with outsiders. We know that's our backbone. That's our mission. We'll do anything short of sin to reach people for Jesus. And that's the main thing that should always counter the growing pains. That's the main thing that's going to continue to help get us through moving into new buildings, 
going into building projects, planting new churches. For us, this past summer and even the past couple weeks, we've had a big shift. We moved to the other side of the movie theater. We're seeing new people every single Sunday. Our church is growing. It's more diverse across every demographic. And it's awesome stuff. That's good stuff. If y'all were awake, y'all might clap for something like that, right? Church is growing. It's getting big. That's awesome. But if you hesitant, if you're hesitant about that growth, you got to ask yourself, do I just not like the pain of growth? Do I not like it? We have to remember that growing things are going to change. If I follow Jesus, I'm going to grow personally. And if our church is full of people following Jesus, our church is going to change. And sometimes there's going to be some hiccups. But one way to counter that upset stomach of grumbling is to remember the backbone. This is what it's all about. That mission. That's our rallying cry. That's what Pastor Chris says. We're one, welcome to OneChurch.tv. Our mission is. That's why every message we try to use this common language because as a people, we want to always get that. When you, someone's getting on our nerves, we want to run back to the truth of, hey, we're trying to reach people for Jesus. We're trying to build a perfect church for unchurched people. We're trying to be a more than just another church in Clarksville. And the early apostles knew they were called to a great mission, and they knew their history, and they didn't want to revert back to the way ancient Israel lived. So the early church had an upset stomach, but the early church had a strong backbone, and they had nerves of steel. Nerves of steel. Let's keep reading. Verse 5. Everyone liked this idea. So the apostles pitched the idea, hey, we're going to get some people. They're going to do the ministry. We're going to preach and pray. So everyone liked this idea, and they chose the following. Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmians, and Nicholas of Antioch, an earlier convert to the Jewish faith. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. So these guys basically are show the power of connection that the church already had. There were people who were just doing life in the church and they were serving. People like, Barn, uh, like Barnabas we talked about, you know, the son of encouragement last week. People even like Barnabas who, these guys, there's something to them. They naturally serve. Without nerves, we know our body physically can't do anything, the human body. When our muscles are pushed beyond their limits, when we get tired, we get that tension. We know just one thing uh, that happens to us on a, on a, with our nervous system, and it can mess everything up. In fact, the central nervous system that runs the course of that spine, it's fascinating. One pinch up here can affect my heart. One pinch down here can absolutely mess up my stomach. It's fascinating the way we're made by God fearfully and wonderfully. That connection, the way everything communicates together, it's beautiful. And when I see these seven who are called out, they remind me of that nervous system, kind of connecting and touching to everything. And those apostles realize we need to let them do their thing. These guys are solid. They always show up. They always do the right thing. So their response that the apostles had to the complaints by the widows were to create an entire new class of people called ministers, basically. Hey, we don't need to be the only ones doing it, the apostles. We don't need to be the only ones doing the work. Let's let the church minister to serve. Let's let them be the ones to do it. And what's fascinating is that they made sure they chose some of the so-called outsiders to lead the way. They chose people who didn't, they weren't Jewish-speaking Christians. They were Greek-speaking Christians to serve these people. Um, and it's fascinating that they picked those guys. Later on, we're going to see people like Stephen and Philip in Acts chapter 7 and 8. They become big deal movers and shakers in the early church. God does great thing through them, powerful preachers and evangelists. But the early church had these nerves of steel, this army of leaders who always stepped up to serve. They didn't think about themselves. 
They showed up on the front line, and when push came to shove, they gave their all for Jesus against all odds. They helped the apostles deal with the headache of division, the headache of discrimination. They helped them deal with the growing pains by serving. They responded to growth by serving. And that's exactly what God wants us to do, one church. We respond to growth by serving. That's why when we tell everyone here, everyone has a step to take, Usually after you say yes to Jesus, the first step we tell you is serve. Yeah, getting in groups are important, but we ask you serve. It's the natural thing we do because of all God has done for us. And look at the results. It says, verse 7, So God's message continued to spread, and the number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. So God's message continues to spread. They, they stopped the grumbling and complaining, by remembering the main thing, by letting ministers serve, by unleashing the church to serve each other. Basically, they stop focusing on the infighting and say, wait a minute, we have a bigger mission that we're called to. They serve. And look what God does. Again, they continue to spread, greatly increased. Many of the Jewish priests are converted. What's fascinating about the Jewish priests being converted is some of these were the same ones who just got done arresting the apostles and persecuting the apostles for trying to preach the name of Jesus. They responded to the growing pains with patience and love and service, and the message of God continued to spread. And there was exponential growth all over the place, even amongst people who one time persecuted the church. And it all started because of this nerve of steel, this solid backbone, this passion that they had for Jesus. The healthy body overcame the growing pains, and guess what? It grew even more. Where are you at in this story? Not just today's message, but this entire journey we've been on over the last eight weeks, looking at the book of Acts, seven weeks and then this week. Where are you at? Are you growing in your relationship with Jesus? Maybe you're here and you don't have a relationship really with Jesus. You've not yet said yes to him and said, I'm going to follow him. And you can do that today. And I encourage you to take that step and just follow him. That could be your very first step. I just need to quit trying to do it on my own. I promise you, you say yes to Jesus. He's going to help you. He's going to give you everything you need to continue on that journey and follow him. But say yes to him. We all have a step to take. Starts with one. Maybe you need to take a next step and you do need to start serving. You do need to be connected. But here's the thing. You haven't taken that first step. You haven't taken that next step because maybe you're afraid of the growing pain. You're afraid of the pain. You know what's going to happen when you say yes. You're going to have to change some things. Growing people change, right? And maybe we don't want to change. Some of you are ducking FPU right now, Financial Peace University, because you don't want to hear that, right? You know what they're going to tell you. Hey, fool, stop spending more money than you make, right? I don't want to hear that. So you're going to duck it and hide and continue to live and struggle in that area rather than embrace some of that no pain, no gain. You don't want to join a community group because you don't want people all up in your business. But here's the secret. Everyone already knows your business. The problem is the wrong people know your business. The people who aren't going to have your back, who aren't going to help you, who aren't going to love you through your pain, who aren't going to walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death. But your community group will. Don't run from that growing pain. Maybe you haven't even said yes to Jesus because you think saying yes to Jesus is going to be a big, long list of rules and do's and don'ts. And I'm telling you, there is no freedom like the freedom we know that I am saved by the grace of God and kept by the grace of God. And there's nothing I can do to earn that or mess that up. 
Maybe you need to take a first step, a next step. Or maybe you've been here for a while. You helped start this church. You've been around since day one. You know more about One Church's mission, vision, values than any of us put together, but you're not really leading. You wouldn't be named among those seven because people really don't know who you are because you've kind of been sitting back. Maybe you need to take a leader step and say, you know what, there is more that I can do for the kingdom of God through one church. I can lead a group. I can oversee that ministry. I'm tired of being the guy who goes home and grumbles about what the church should be doing. Maybe the reason the church isn't doing it is because I haven't started doing it yet. That could be you. You follow Jesus, you're going to grow. Growing people change, and sometimes that change hurts. That growth hurts, but it's worth it. It's worth it every single time. If you're here, I don't want you to feel condemned or beat up uh, because we all have our shortcomings, right? We all have the things we need to grow in. Every one of us needs to take a next step. But we want to make sure that we aren't a part of the self-induced pain either. Have you ever had somebody get on your last good nerve? You know what I'm talking about? That's a saying my mom used to have. You're getting on my last good nerve. Like, man, I didn't know that it was that serious, mom. Usually someone gets on our nerves. It's that very annoying that frustrating, grinding type of thing. And we can let things fester and we can start to grumble and we can get to that negative headspace where all we see is what's wrong. But we have to remind ourselves that we know that's like eating that toxic, that poison, that stuff that's not going to help us. It's not worth the headache and the heartache and the body ache for us to live in that negative space. I know when I find myself there, I just have to get back to the backbone. Wait a minute. What's this all about, really? I know I have my shortcomings. I know I need to grow. I know I need to take a next step. God loves me anyway. I need to keep pushing through this pain and grow. Pastor Rick Warren, he says, there's no growth without change, and there's no change without loss, and there is no loss without pain, right? So if we want to grow as Christians, if we want to grow, uh, we got to get out of our comfort zones. A lot of people want their church to grow, Rick Warren says, as long as it doesn't make them uncomfortable. A lot of people want to grow in Christ as long as it doesn't make them uncomfortable. There's an old cliche that says everybody wants to go to heaven, but no one wants to die. Right? But Jesus said, if you want to follow me, deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. That's what we say yes to when we come after him. But as we begin to grow, we see that God does great things in us. He does great things through us. Basically, we growing and pushing past this pain is all about letting go of some of our control. You can have a measure of growth and you can have a measure of control, but you can't have a lot of control and a lot of growth at the same time. We have to be willing to, to let it go. So get uncomfortable. It's good. It's good for us. Growing pains. Having folks come down to the front row, standing on the side because there's a lot of people here. That is awesome. The video venue crew over there rocking it. That's awesome that you're over there <laughs> making room making space. Those are all great, great things. And as God continues to grow us individually, he's going to continue to grow our church and it's going to be a great thing that happens. So what do we do with this? First thing we got to do is prepare for growth. Prepare for growth. This means I have to stay in spiritual shape. And as a church, we have to stay in systemic shape. So we got to change things. We got to constantly make sure we're checking our systems, make sure that we're doing everything we can to create these environments for people to grow in their relationship with Jesus. But you, me, we have to make sure that we're preparing for growth by continuing to stay in spiritual shape. That means, man, I'm communicating to God. I'm listening to him. 
I'm spending time in prayer. I'm spending time in the Word of God. I'm listening to what God has to say to me to teach me. I'm getting around other believers that can help me do the same thing. I'm making sure that when growth comes, I'm ready. I can push through it. I can grow. And the second thing we have to do is celebrate good growth. Celebrate good growth. The church in Acts chapter 5, God gave them growth, and some of them started complaining. Instead of saying, this is a good problem that we have, that we've got some Greek believers and some Jewish believers, they started looking at the differences, the inconvenience, and it could have led to disaster. We don't want to be those people who don't celebrate good growth. Not just numerical, how many people are showing up to a weekend service. Not just numerical, how many people are in a community group. But truly seeing the growth and the life change in one another. Yeah, that means celebrating when there's someone new. It means celebrating when someone connects and takes that next step. But it means always having my eyes out for what God is doing around the world. Today's an awesome day for the church in America. There's a couple of large church planting uh, organizations and local churches that have all planted a bunch of churches today. There's over 170 new churches started today in the United States of America, including one in Clarksville. It's awesome to see that God is growing his church by new churches being launched. Churches just like one church that say, you know what? Our town doesn't need another church. We need something bigger. We need something better, something that's really going to reach people. And that's awesome. So celebrate good growth. And then finally, keep working on it and in it. Always strive to grow. Embrace that. No pain, no gain. Always try to improve. Always try to grow yourself, your walk with Jesus. The Bible says do everything as if you're doing it unto the Lord. Maybe you've heard that before. That includes following Jesus. Like we think of that verse and say, well, that means I'm going to push this mop for Jesus, right? And that's okay. Push your mop for Jesus. But we want to make sure that I'm actually living for Jesus. I'm doing everything that I can to grow and allow him to shape me and mold me. And I'm going to keep working in it. Work on it, my personal growth, and work in it. That means I'm going to be involved in my local church, in this local expression of the body of Christ. I'm going to serve. I'm going to seek out. Stop being afraid of what you might think might be a rejection or what you might be paying. You never know. Some of you have so many gifts and abilities and talents that could bless other people. We don't want something from you. We want something for you. Hear what I'm saying. I'm not saying that the church needs your help. What I'm saying is you can do it. You can reach people for Jesus, and one church wants to help you. We want to help you accomplish God's mission in your own life, and we can partner together and see great things happen. Following Jesus leads to growth, and growing people change. Sometimes growth hurts. Let's pray. God, thank you for the power of your word. Thank you for saving us, for loving us so much that while we were still sinners, you sent your son to die for us. I pray if there's a person in this room who's not yet said yes to you, this would be the moment right where they are. They say, Lord Jesus, forgive me. I've tried to do it on my own, and I'm blowing it. I'm messing up. Would you save me? God, I'm saying yes to you today knowing that as I follow you, you're going to fill me with your spirit. You're going to give me the truth of your word and the community of the body of Christ to help me every step of the way. God, and I know as someone prays that, you show up like only you can and you save them. Thank you for that. Thank you, God, that when we confess our sin, you're faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all wrongdoing. Thank you for the people of OneChurch.tv, God, who show up Sunday, they show up Wednesday, they show up Tuesday at community groups, God, they show up all around this city to make a big deal about you. Would you help us, God, to continue to press into this season of growth 
God, not with apprehension, not with a, a how are we going to do it attitude, but God, with a humble posture that says, wow, look at what God is doing. Thank you for calling us and for choosing us. God, I pray that you would continue to open our hearts towards this growth process. We know that you're with us through any of the pain and through any of the stretching. And God, we know we don't have to fear any of that unknown. Instead, we step into faith, believing it. Thank you so much for calling us. Thank you for choosing us to be a part of that one. And we thank you so much, God, for the lives that are continuing to be changed because of your people, the church, in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? Thank you so much, One Church, for being here this morning, for connecting with us. Next Sunday, we start a brand new series, This Is Us, Spread the Word. You'll see stuff all over social media. Make sure you spread that blast out. You guys have a great Sunday. Go be the church.